Later this week, I will celebrate my 44th birthday. And I've given myself permission to take the day off. And it's shaping up to be a pretty good one. I'm going to start the day. The plan, the best laid plan, is to start the day slow with my coffee and watching Brene Brown's infamous TED Talk on vulnerability. I listen to it every year on my birthday and learn something different about myself and her message and how it applies to my life and my work. And I love it. Later in the day, I'm going to be spending some time with a friend and some horses and crossing the first couple things off of my 22 in 44 list, which if you've been following along over on Instagram, you helped me to build. Thank you for that. This ritual that I have on my birthday every year was one of the many shifts that I made following my own experience with burnout. And today I'm chatting more with Lauren Martin about burnout and maybe what it looks like for you, maybe what it looks like for someone around you. And I wish we were going to solve it here. We're not. Um, (laughs) Contrary to what we might have been taught to believe, the challenges of life do not resolve in 30 minutes sitcom style where some devilishly handsome single dad type sits on the edge of the bed and solves all the world's problems for us. Yeah, that's that's just not reality, but um, your reality is yours. And maybe in this conversation, you'll you'll hear something new or it will resonate differently with you. And that's my hope for you. So have a listen. Um, thank you, Lauren, for being here and for being part of my world. Off we go. I am Meg McKean and this is Bound and Determined. Lauren, thanks for being here. I think we could talk for three days about this topic, but I want to hear from you. Why Why burnout? Why this topic? Why right now? Well, it, it had as a personal tie. Looking back and reflecting, you know, like many people, burnout really came to light during the pandemic because we were all stretched. But I think it was just exacerbating what we were all feeling. And then when I started digging into it and peeling back the layers and looking back, I think that I've been burned out my whole life. Like since starting competitive gymnastics at the age of five, I've always just been operating with very low margins, but I've been able to overpower it because that's what most of us that are burned out do. We don't listen. We keep going for the next thing we keep achieving. And I think that's like where, at least recently when the pandemic stretched everybody, it was a lot of successful people saying like, why am I tired? Why do I feel awful? Why do I not want to do anything? And that's why I started to focus on burnout because too many people were feeling this way and it's, it's sneakier than we realize. I completely agree with you. I think the pandemic just blew blew the cover off of so many of the truths that so many of us have been living with for a very long time. I didn't know it was burnout for me five years ago, but looking back and with the knowledge that I have now and the awareness of myself, that's exactly what I was feeling five years ago when I left my last corporate job, like literally at the point that I had to sit in the car in the parking garage for 20 minutes every morning. No songs were enough, no funny little anecdotes that the morning DJs were sharing was enough to give me the strength and the courage to walk in the door. And that was, I would call a symptom of burnout for me, but that wasn't what burnt me out. 
if that makes right. sense. So I'm pretty sure we're all feeling it. I don't want to generalize, but it shows up very differently for each of us. So what what is burnout from your lens? So for my lens, there's the there's the burnout that goes across the board. And this is the one like whenever you Google burnout, you look at the like Mayo Clinic definition, this is like what you're going to get. Depression symptoms of like hypersomnia, like fatigue, feeling um, apathetic, so sort of numb, either um, overeating or undereating. Really, I call this crappy coping, like whether that's just like whatever you're doing to numb out. So whether that's drinking, you know, shopping, binging Netflix, whatever that is, all of that's goes to those symptoms, like being tearful, you know, just general overwhelm and numbness in the body. And it can very much mimic like what a depressive episode would be. Anxiety is present in that restlessness, but that's the undercurrent and burnout's more of like the byproduct and the exhaustion that comes from it. But what it can look like in our lives are very different. It sort of depends on the stage we're in or where we kind of lean to coping wise. So there's like over-functioning, where you're just constantly overriding and doing all the things and putting more on your plate out of fear of slowing down. And then there's the under-functioning, which is like that shutdown sort of place. And both are unhelpful. Um, so I don't want my under-functioning people to be like, oh, well, I'd rather be over-functioning. No, because eventually everybody ends up in the under-functioning category at some point. It's just when the burnout starts, where do you lean to first? That's such a wise just such a wise observation um, for me growing up in in very much this culture of your best is not enough and striving to be more and do more and accomplish more and have more and achieve more. I just I know so many women that are, I will say wired because that's what we've been led to believe is that that's a fundamental part of the human experience. I'm challenging that in a big, in a big way. I also have to say, I think I need to add this disclaimer in every one of these conversations. I am a non-partnered woman without children who made a very bold decision five years ago to leave a very traditional employment situation, take on a huge risk. Yes. Um, But is pulling that off to the extent that I now have much more control over boundaries and messaging and how I show up and for whom I am not the best person to listen to when you're in that cycle of burnout. And my life looks very different from a woman who is mothering and caretaking and partnering and doing all of the things that women very stereotypically do in our world. So all that to say, I know it can look really quote unquote easy. Um, and I love to say that in this time together, we're going to solve it, Lauren. We're going to give everybody the the handbook to to master burnout and of course, that's just not possible fundamentally. Well, and I want to challenge you too, because like it's, it, it is easy, like on paper to be like, all right, I am single. I was able to have these choices made. I was able to take the risk and people have other circumstances. And that is very much true. But like what you went through was probably the most difficult thing that you experienced. Just like for me, like the ways that I got out, those were the most difficult things that I experienced at the time. And, and they compound and we only know what we experience. And I, I totally, I can see like where you're coming from because there are some circumstances that people are in that are challenging in different ways, but the way that like our bodies and our brains go through life, we also have to recognize, and that is part of burnout, like where we take the comparisons off of like, wait, this is the hardest thing that I have been through. This is the hardest thing that I've had to experience. And I think that's 
why burnout becomes so silent because we feel shame around it. Like, what do you mean I can't keep up? Or what do you mean this like amazing job that is providing me this wonderful life? What do you mean that's burning me out? But that's, that's just where we're at. I tell people that burnout, burnout is a bandwidth issue. So even if you're like at the top of your game, you can still burn out. It just, it looks and feels different, but it's still burnout because you're being stretched to your max and you're going through something that is difficult in its own way. You know, like how we kind of get bitter, like when NBA players like this is like, I'm burnt out and I'm stressed out. And like, you just made like a gajillion dollars, like doing what you love. And there's a set of circumstances with that, that I wouldn't want anything to do with. I just want it like, I understand what you're saying, but I want like everybody here to recognize that if they're in burnout and even if those that we love, their circumstances are different and do seem more difficult, they might be on paper, but for us and our experience on this earth, it's hard as shit. Sorry. Can I cuss on this? Yeah. Okay, good. You're good. I'll probably be the, hopefully the only one I drop, but it's hard as I'll get out to work through. Yeah. You know, our listeners here tend to identify as female. I um, think we're grateful for our male listeners, but I record this with women um, in mind. And a lot of what happens in the insurance industry, which is where most of us are working, is not happening with women in mind. And so a lot of what we're doing when we're showing up each day is really adopting behaviors and thought patterns and ideals and goals and metrics that are not in alignment with who we are fundamentally and how we want to show up in the world and in our work. And so it is such this paradox between exactly what you said, like that NBA player, I'm compensated really well. Every year I get a 4% raise and I get a bonus, even if I don't make my goals, even if I only show up and do the bare minimum. But at the same time, there is a reckoning that's happening these days where we are putting those values in the forefront and we are starting to make decisions about time and employment and money and energy that are in more alignment with those beliefs. And I have to think that that is an outcome of what a lot of women are experiencing in these periods of burnout is this idea that something has to give, something has to change. This is not sustainable. We do not want to be an Instagram post at the end of our lives saying, I should have loved more and worked less. We don't, we don't want that for ourselves now or ever. So let's talk. I hate to even say tactically because like, you know, let's fix it, right? Let's, let's solve it. But I know that you have a beautiful podcast and spoiler alert for those listening, Lauren disclosed that she had a former career in radio, which I feel like gives her just an awesome advantage um, when it comes to podcast hosting. But she has, a, as you have learned, a lovely voice. And, and I love the way that you've put your episodes together. They're sound bites, they're actionable, they're thoughtful um, and delivered in just such a just such a lovely way. Give me some ideas. So listener, woman, she's in it. She's in it. It's 1030 at the, in the morning. The kids have been dropped off wherever the kids go. Maybe she's listening as she's working. Uh, maybe she's scurrying around running to a meeting or another appointment, or maybe she's just found 20 minutes in the car to be alone with her thoughts, which might be the only time today or this week that she's able to do that. Where does she go from here? I mean, first you have to like actually unabashedly, I don't know if that's the right word, but like own your burnout, like that's step one, just own it. Don't minimize it. Don't, you know, abuse it with gratitude. Like you just have to like sit in it. 
and, and be like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm experiencing. And, and it's not okay in the sense of like, we shouldn't be to that point, but it is okay in the sense that we all experience this in some form at some point in our life. That's like where I tell people, I, I do believe in burnout prevention. I do believe in burnout recovery, but, and this is big in the recovery world. It's like, are you recovering or are you recovered? And the thing is, I believe much like, um, like in 12 step and everything that your people are always in recovery from burnout. It just is going to wax and wane because even since I've been really diligent about trying to take matters into my own hands and change what burnout or what my life looks like as a result of my burnout, I go back to my old ways all the time. Like I was going to start this program and like do all these things. I was like, no, this is too much. I'm going to simplify. So we're, our burnout's going to wax and wane. So just owning it, like that's step one. And I'm like, oh, three steps. I'm like, there's so many steps. But if it's like, if I'm at the beginning of my burnout journey, I'm going to own it. And I'm really going to get honest about what's causing my burnout. Cause it's not just work. It could be caregiving. It could be self-improvement. It could be financial stress. There are so many stressors. It could be social lives. Like when I was in my mid twenties, oh my gosh, wedding season exhausted the mess out of me. And where for most of us, especially at the point where we are in our careers in our thirties, forties, and fifties, work is a huge source of burnout. It's not the sole one. So we have to look at what's, what's pushing us there and where can we begin making small shifts? And so if, if it's work, it's actually going on. When I suggest people do a no work lunch, they like lose their mind. Like, what do you mean? I don't work through my lunch for 30 minutes. Don't work. That's like mind blowing. That's what's going to get you out of your burnout is the like consistent, sustainable little shifts you're going to do. A vacation is great. I'm not knocking vacations. Bubble baths are great, but we need strategy and we need systems and and they don't have to be perfect, but that idea of I'm going to take 30 minutes, three times a week to not work during lunch. That's when I watch my Bravo shows. And my husband is so glad because he hates hearing women scream. And yet that's soothing to me. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, like 30 minute lunches, the idea of allowing yourself the five ninety nine dollars charge to get your groceries delivered. Like those are the little shifts that we deny ourselves because it's like, oh, that, that $5 is, that's ridiculous. I should just be able to pick up my own groceries. No, these services are there for us. And if we have that extra bandwidth or cash, like just go that way. And not everything has to cost money. But I think for those of us, when we are burned out, we tend to restrict. I don't need this. I don't deserve this. I should be doing more. And when really, and this is from Rachel Rogers, um, she wrote the book, we should all be millionaires. And she talks about outsourcing. Mm -hmm. So if we have the space to outsource some stuff, great. If we don't have the space to outsource, then begin inserting time for, for you, whether that's 10 minutes, 30 minutes, and this idea of gradually shifting how things go that's going to create more sustainable change. That was something I had to do for my schedule. I was working later than I wanted to. And I phased my afternoon clients out so that I had more wiggle room in my schedule. So it was like a six to nine month process. I wanted just to like, let everybody go, but I was like, that's not in my value set. Mm -hmm. um, so we may have to take drastic changes, but I wouldn't say that that needs to be your first round. It's just an idea of like recalibrating what are the things that we do that we could take back for ourselves.
Mm. I appreciate that you recognize the gradual shift and not the sort of come in overnight like a tsunami and and break it all down because so many of us are working within organizations where either the expectation has been set or we have set the expectation that we are available during lunch hours and those who are in service or sales within our industry have for many many of us it's been a badge of honor that we wear that we are always available and so the idea of pulling back some of that availability can feel like you're somehow letting your clients down or you're delivering less than you have, but it's really trusting and believing that when you do deliver, it's going to be more, more real and more true and more thoughtful and more meaningful. And that's a really hard shift for so many who are always on and in an industry that embraces if you don't respond within 30 seconds, they're going to move on to the next. And I think a lot about what is that energy we're bringing in our front door? If our lives are a home mm-hmm. and that energy is is banging on your door at seven o'clock at night, what is that letting in? Is that, and do we have the ability within the organizations that we work within to say no to that energy? And often we don't. And what I'm finding is this interesting shift. This is a bit of a tangent, but we're all getting older, like newsflash, right? And so So those who have been burnt out individual contributors are now becoming burnt out leaders. And in one hand, I think that's, I mean, the burnout part is not good, but when you have a leadership view and you start to see the team that you've built and that you're supporting from that 10,000 foot perspective, sometimes it allows you perspective that you can't see when you're so in it when your head is down and your feet are moving and you're just constantly in motion. And I do think that a lot of the shifts that we're craving will happen when leadership starts to recognize that burnout isn't a made up thing that uh, women are complaining about because they want to watch more reality TV during lunch, that it's, it's truly a symptom of a misalignment of where work fits into our lives. But your point is great. It's not just work. You know, I have created what appears to be the perfect business on paper that allows me all sorts of white space and flexibility and freedom. And yet it still took me six months to bring this podcast back. Why? Because I was burnt out. And so it's not just work. So we free up that time by paying $5.99 for someone to shop for us and deliver our groceries. What are we doing instead with that time? Are we working more? Are we tidying the playroom? Are we folding, right? Are we folding a load of laundry? But like, what is, what does that look like? How do we start to settle in that that 20 minutes is not a selfish act? No, this is like my favorite thing to talk about because it's like, what do we do with that time? And it, it all depends on what we need to get done because I believe there's boring self-care and not boring self-care. And sometimes your, your time that you have is 20 minutes of folding laundry because it's been in the basket for three weeks and you've been beating yourself up over it. That doesn't sound like self-care, but it is like throw on a podcast or throw on, you know, some music and like, how can we make that a a little bit? If, if we're going to do something we don't like, how can we make it? a little bit better because that stuff has to get done. It's like when you have the basket of clothes that need to be donated in the back of your car and every day you see it and you're haunted by it. Like that's what I call avoiding avoiding because when we do that, the payoff of checking that ever looming thing is freeing up space in our brain. And then there's also like the fun self-care and like, you're right. It's not selfish to take time for yourself. In fact, 
we love efficiency and this is all about making our lives more efficient. Like, yeah, I'm, Hey, Hey clients, I am not available from 12 to one. I'm just not, but those other hours of the day I am available. Like I don't let, I have, there's clients that I coach and that's different, but like, if somebody's wanting just to touch base with me, it is like, it is planned by email because phone tag is so inefficient. And it's that idea of like, how can we honor other people's time? How can we be more efficient? Because the big change, like when you kind of went on that tangent, I was like, this is the big change. One houses are requiring double income earners. So there's no, like, we're now all stretched. And two, like, I remember when my mom and dad were working, there was no way to get in touch with us. And that's the other thing too. When we think about bandwidth, we were not meant to take in this much information in a, in a day, like good and bad information, whether that's work, news, my friend's lunch, like there's so much data that I take in day to day. And we're not meant for that. It's that idea of like whatever 20 minutes we have, it needs to be for us. Like I'm folding this basket of laundry. So I stop beating myself up for it. I'm going to go walk around target aimlessly with Starbucks in my hand, because that's what I want to do with my time. It's not what I should be doing. It's not what is on my to-do list in the sense of like, well, my husband said we need to get this done. Like, no, this is my, it's directed by me. And that's going to be interesting because it goes back to that. What do I want? We don't ask ourselves that, especially if we work in sales and service. And if we're, if we're client centered, it's always about how can I make this work for the client? We got to, we got to take that energy and point it back to us and ask like, what do I want? Yeah. I'm, I've been a very open book. I have a therapist who I adore and who has helped to create a space for me to say really hard, complicated, deep things out loud and in in doing so making it easier to live those things in my life and one of the things that he says all the time to me is you have finally arrived in a point in your life where you get to take the lead mm-hmm. and it's unpacking expectations that parents have on us as children if that the education system and all of its framework and throw in the patriarchy and like just sort of all of these systems that exist around us. We are absolutely part of a system and a hierarchy working within insurance that to take the lead on that is daunting. It's big and it's scary and it can be overwhelming. And I understand the safety in staying small and playing along because to do this takes courage. And I just appreciate that this can look different. Um, for each of us. And even thinking, I mean, you mentioned folding laundry. I love to fold laundry. I'm a person, I'm a Virgo. I own my Virgo-ness. I like order. If I'm stressed or or life feels chaotic or out of control, I will do anything I can to bring organization to it. I also know of a girlfriend who uses an app called Task Rabbit. Yeah. And she hires a tasker, a rabbit. I don't know what they're what they call themselves to come once a week and fold her laundry. Yeah. It literally pays someone to come and sit on the couch and fold her laundry. And that person is happy to be making a little extra income. And she is happy to not have to worry about that laundry basket overflowing. And I just think about so many listeners have the means. That is the curiosity about the insurance industry is it can be exceptionally lucrative. And so it's that looking at your life and doing that inventory of Where is the time and where is the energy, the good energy and the not so good energy? Where is it going? And what do I have within my means to shift and to control? Again, like trying to bring 
order to what feels like not just a chaotic day, but a, a life and a world that we live in right now. And it's also having people around you. And this is something else that I see women being challenged, whether it's your your leader or your manager at work, but also your partner at home. When you start to show up differently, mm-hmm. that can be scary for the people around you. When when the kids are always expecting mom to be a certain way or to give a certain response or provide a certain something, and then you start to pull back on that or shift that energy somewhere else, that can be confusing. And at the same time though, we got to own it. We got to own that we have trained. I'm going to be like really frank. Like I, for a period of time was a little bit bitter towards my clients, not because I didn't like my clients. And I'm saying this, like, I'm like, Oh, they're good. I'm going to be the therapist that hates your clients. I was mad at my clients because I had made myself readily available. I took them to think that I was always available. And so that is all on me. And the more that we own it and the more we tell people, like we tell our kids, Hey, I have been available a lot and and I've got to change things up so that I can stay. I want to be more present when I'm around you. We can tell our team like, Hey, I have set up an unreasonable expectation. That's what makes this so revolutionary. Like when you mentioned the patriarchy and like, when we think about capitalism, like I love making money and we have to be mindful of how that attitude has really, really infiltrated these industries, like where we really want humanity, like time is the new currency time is the new bonus. And if we can insert, if we can begin injecting humanity with making money, like, I know that there's somebody that's going to be like, Lauren, you're just trying to like, (laughs) you're trying to like excuse like the problematic behavior within the patriarchy. But like, that's, we have people that speak from both sides because like we need two bookends, but really if we look in the gray of like, I I just like, when you were talking about task rabbit, my parents make fun of me all the time because I pay for convenience, Mm. but that's their generation versus my generation. And like, they're very, very early boomers. Like they're probably like, they're, they're like a Gen X boomer, like cusp. Um, and, and I'm smack dab millennial and that, that difference is because we are recognizing that if we do this sort of like community, like where you said, somebody is like making a few extra dollars, like we're feeding the ecosystem. You know, and yeah. that's like we're getting a virtual assistant, getting somebody to kind of just support you in whatever means it's, and we can treat the people that work for us really well. And so that's like going back into injecting humanity along with having our means. And I get it. And I appreciate, I just appreciate your perspective so much because these are the conversations that we need to be having because they are not being had mm-hmm. within our organizations. So many insurance either Providers of insurance, insurance companies are 100, 150 plus year old organizations that function still today very similarly to the way that they did when they were created. And on the sales side, we joke it's kind of like the wild, wild west. You know, insurance agencies have a little bit more flexibility and freedom to kind of do it their way. But again, still very much rooted in a this is the way we've always done it sort of mentality. I don't know another business that has more impact on humanity than insurance. We literally are there for people at their absolute worst moments. And yet so much of what we tout in a career in insurance is the financial upside. You can earn more, you can have more. And with all of that, you can have more freedom. And and the reality is most people that are selling insurance are, 
are never satisfied and are always looking for the next sale and more money. And I'm loving this, I'll call them a crop, <laughs> um, this group of young professionals coming into the business that are like, cool, I need to make a living. I want to make a living because I I need to provide for my family and my essential needs and, and give charitably and be a contributor in society for the goodness of society. But I also want my work to have some meaning and purpose. And therefore, I'm going to align with an organization. I'm going to align with clients where I know we have that in common. And I know that I will be invited to show up at my best as myself. And that is a radical, a radical way of doing business uh, for those who have been here for a long, long time. And there's a there's a disconnect. I am with affection an old millennial. I'm a young Gen Xer. There's like this five year period. We're called Xenials. We didn't grow up with technology, but technology has always been part of our careers. And that's me. So I see it. I see it both ways. I see we are running businesses and we have bottom lines and we have profit margins and we have ROIs. And I get that and I speak that. But I also see this beautiful group of humans that understand at a very young age what it has taken a lot of us a long, long time to realize. And that is that this is it. This is the one shot that we get. So what am I going to cram those years with? Is it the hamster wheel? Is it the dollar signs? Or is it um, meaning and purpose? And meaning and purpose doesn't always pay the bills. I think in insurance, it can, to be honest. I think we sit in this really interesting sweet spot where the money is there to be made, but how you choose to show up the language you use, the people that you work with and who you align with. Um, I think that's the the secret sauce, if you will. And we're not singing those songs. We're not, we're not delivering that message, so to speak, but there's a shift happening and I'm happy to be part of it. And this conversation is part of it. Any parting thoughts or wisdom before we say goodbye? Um, as you were talking about that, I, I really want to stress the amount of grief that comes with burnout repair. Like, and I think that a lot of like zennials through like millennials, we're coming to grips that what we were promised isn't happening. And that's where the shift is coming from. And that's where we're trying to figure out how can I actually enjoy my money, my time. And that takes a lot of grief because the bar was set, but then the bar kept raising. And so we're trying to stop. We're trying to let the bar have a pause and it's okay. If you're mad, it's okay. If you're sad, you got to feel that. And um, I just think that's so important in this process. And Olivia, with that, Lauren Martin and I first connected through the insure equality community. You've heard me talk about it before. And this season in lieu of sponsors, I'm asking you if you are so inclined to head on over to insureequality.org to make a donation that feels right for you, no amount is too little. We'll see you next time.